0: Welcome back to the Pro Series Podcast and Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2024 and today is episode 120 and we have another reoccurring guest. His name is David Stump. He's an architect here in Pittsburgh. So before we go start this episode, please go back and listen to his episode we shot in 2022 and we kind of catch up with some of the jobs that he talked about, the Influencer House. Um, and some of the other jobs he actually brings up the influencer house and shows pictures of it so it's pretty cool um, but before we go into this episode please like subscribe and review this podcast like always and i hope you enjoy episode 120 with david Song. david thank you so much for hopping back on to the pro series podcast great to have you back on
1: well it's great to be back eric thank you very much
0: I should have looked before we hopped on the call on when you were on last, like the number of the episode. Episode 46. I actually went oh, back. Oh, do you remember? Sure we
1: yeah. <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I went back the other uh, the other day to make sure that we weren't going to be talking about the exact same stuff we just talked about. Oh, um,
0: uh, okay. Do you remember what date that was posted? Was that uh,
1: 22? It was definitely over a year ago. Okay. It was definitely over a year ago. I mean, you're on episode 118,
0: 118. this week. Yeah.
1: So, uh, more time has passed since my since you started the podcast and I was on than oh, I was on last till now. So, uh, it's definitely been over a year, I'd say.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I'm just going through this thing. Like, I'm about to enter year three of the podcast, which is insane. I can't believe I could. I've actually stuck to one episode a week. <laughs> that surprises me.
1: That's, I mean, it, it's a testament to your character. And it also shows the the massive uh, growth potential of a podcast. I mean, podcast is probably like the hardest medium to grow on. And if you stay consistent, it's, you know, the sky's the limit. Cause you're the only one that's doing that. People can go back, look at the old library and see, oh, he's still, he's still here. He's still doing this. It's. Yeah.
0: Man. Thank you. And that's something I always, I'm a big podcast listener and I always like, you know, subscribe or follow or whatever you do on your, like the Apple podcast. And then I'm like, this person hasn't posted an episode in months. Like what's going on here? And then I just unsubscribe because right. they don't listen anymore.
1: Right. It's like, um, you almost want to stay current. Uh, there's a lot of historians, uh, like I'm a big podcast listener too. And I'll listen to business podcasts. I'll listen to leadership podcasts, but I also have a huge chunk of history podcasts I listen to. And those okay. guys tend to. They'll do like six-hour podcasts because you really got to dive deep, but you're mm-hmm. only getting like once every three months, and it's like ah, I don't, know. you know. I'll just yeah. I'll look back into you when I remember again.
0: Yeah. Do you do you like to listen to a lot of architectural podcasts?
1: Um, I tend to listen to only two. There's there's a few. Um, uh, if you don't mind, I'll I'll name drop them. Yeah, go um, ahead. They're pretty good. The one is. Uh, business of architecture. It di- It's like, um, there's a consultancy and then they use their podcast as a way to highlight their clients, uh, or kind of explain to you how, how you can be a business owner. Yeah. It's, dry. it's very dry, but it's very informative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's, um, life of life of an architect. Uh, and it's by Bob Borson. I think I, your Instagram story the other day, you asked who should I interview, and I said Bob Borson should be one of them. Um, yeah, I did reach out to him, I believe. Oh, you, oh, okay. I have to follow up. I have to follow yeah, up. Yeah, if you get him, it'll be good. He's um, his podcast. Uh, he, uh, I can't think of his co-host. His name's Andrew. Uh, I can't think of his last name, but his name's Andrew. And th- it's very conversational. It's mm-hmm. it's very like um, educational in a way that it teaches young kids what an architect is, uh, and also potential clients, but it also dives into a lot of meat of, um, I guess, inside, uh, information about architecture for practice, those practicing or those in school. So it's, uh, but it's all kept like very light and fun where some of the other stuff, the other podcasts that are out there are way too, way too serious or just like, um, highfalutin in a way Mm -hmm. where it just it turns me off so much i don't care about your ivy league education i don't care that you're like on the cover of all the magazines you know i'm 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 a pittsburgh guy blue collar and um i'm in the weeds of it every single day i i'm just trying to be real out here you know i don't need any of the the extra stuff that some of these guys are trying to present them as
0: yeah i agree with you and that's a big turnoff for me and then also when the podcast not saying that my voice is good for a podcast but some of these people um they say, like they sound like a news anchor and that drives me crazy i hate yes it.
1: yeah it's like uh yeah i'm like i don't know the npr stuff back when podcasting first became popular npr was like at the top of the list i would yeah. listen to some of their stuff but after a while it gets old
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know uh joe rogan's the number one podcaster for a reason it's because he's having a conversation and it's almost like you're a fly on the wall of these two people just just having a like a legitimate conversation so or you know it doesn't get luxury where some of those newscaster type podcasts might get a little too luxury and i'm like it's just such a turnoff
0: yeah i agree i mean yeah you bring up joe rogan and then if you talk look at the top five podcaster out there's joe rogan there's Alex Cooper, there's all these mind blank of the one that I watch on YouTube.
1: Um, do you watch the Ice Coffee Hour? No. no. Like business and social media uh, oriented. It's uh Graham Stefan and Jack Shelby. Like uh, Graham Stefan, he's like a finance YouTuber. Yeah. Uh, and they've like they've created this podcast that's like exploded because it's conversational and um like it's interview format kind of like yours but it's conversational and they highlight um well they started as youtubers and content creators and they've kind of grown to people that are a little bigger in that space and i feel like uh that's interesting because it's also like how do you run your business how does this work what are the finances of the business and that's what everybody wants to know you know especially in that space and and the people that follow those guys
0: yeah yeah i think you listen to a podcast either escape from your life or to learn
1: right right and that's what i do i'm like uh i'm not the escapism kind of person i'm i'm out here trying to learn so uh, oh, okay. if i'm if i'm finding a podcast it's gotta it's gotta bring some kind of a value or something that i'm gonna turn and apply to to business in some capacity like um like those are a couple that i listen to and i'll listen to one that it's got even the guys that run this one they, they make fun of the name of it but it's my first million and it's it's a bunch of like Silicon Valley tech business owners who talk about how they started their business and how they grew it. And it's so different from design, the design world and the architecture world or construction, but the fundamentals of business are the same. And if you can learn something from somebody who's in this sector of the economy and apply it to your business, even if it's like something minute or something that you know, might seem trivial, but it can help you, I don't know, it's... Um, that's just how I've always been kind of inquisitive in that capacity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked a lot about podcasting. <laughs> let's uh yeah. let's get into uh where we left off last time. You knew you had a couple open projects that were going on. Tell me right. about uh let's we'll start start with the um influencer house. How'd that go?
1: So uh that that house, the project uh it had its ups and downs. Um overall, my relationship with the owner stayed pretty good throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. She's absolutely awesome to work with. And I learned a lot from her too, cause she's a, she's kind of a social media mogul in her own capacity. Um, she is on every single platform you can think of mm-hmm. and she shares her basically her entire life, but she also builds characters for specific platforms. So, um, that project has worked out really well. It took about two years to go from start to finish. Um, and in that time we went through several different contractors, you know, we you've, we've seen the gambit of substance abuse from some of the contractors to not showing up, uh, for work whenever they were supposed to, to just ghosting her high and dry after having made payments. It's, um, it's, it's taught me a lot about how to select the right contractor, but also how to run a project and, and how to guide my clients through those kind of projects as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the home turned out beautifully. And if you want to screen share, I can, uh, jump Absolutely. on and show you a couple of those pictures. And the goal, uh, being that we end up showing this, uh, or having it published in, in a, uh, a magazine. So, um, we're not going to share anything on social media until, till we do that because some of them um like architectural digest they don't allow you to have published anything so hopefully this doesn't count but we'll we'll see
0: yeah whenever i get the notification i'll press it
1: but that's yeah cool. of course i'll see let me see we call this one the cozy cabin so like i've shared a few things about it Um, but not a whole lot specifically, but I'll be able to talk a little bit once I pull these images up.
0: Did she buy this house and want to renovate it for
1: herself or what was the whole? Oh, you've uh, disabled screen sharing. I didn't really. Yeah. That's all right. Let me see. You'll probably edit this part out.
0: (laughs) I don't even know
1: that was a notification. Where do I do that? Um, not sure. It just says host uh, disabled participants screen sharing.
0: I won't now. So who can share all
1: participants? Okay. So I'll just jump up and do this one. go all right so this is the uh the cozy cabin um so this home was it was a home that was built on this like tiny plot It was a farm that was subdivided by a family uh and then they built a bunch of different cabins on this land they they put a road off of a main road um like a like a private lane and then built these houses all along it I learned a little bit more on the day of the photo shoot about this house specifically, but this one, it was built. We know, um, before the sixties, probably the fifties or the forties. And then, uh, another member of the family came back from the Vietnam war. He bought this house from the family, from his other family members, added two bedrooms off of it. And that was the condition of the house that, uh, when my client purchased it, but this house prior to him buying it, it was home to 10 people. So it was a family of 10 living in a one bedroom house with one bathroom. And then, and as it stands, it's 1200 square feet. So you take two bedrooms off. It's probably like 900 square foot house of 10 people we're living in. Um, and then we like, you fast forward to 2020 when my client purchases it, it's, um, she moved from LA to Pittsburgh because her former husband was from Pittsburgh. Um, and, uh, when they separated, she purchased this house for herself. Uh, and with the goal of, you know, this is going to be a set for her social media and you could see a lot of that influence in in this photo here specifically. We'll jump to another photo. Um, you know, a, a lot of her character throughout this comes through as well. She was very, uh, bohemian in, um, her design aesthetic, but also, uh, design aesthetic known as Japandi, which has Japanese and Scandinavian influences. And you kind of just mesh that all together. And um, I know, Eric, before we started, we were talking about how a lot of architects really don't have the interiors uh, as part of their practice. But um, sometimes that's something that I, I work with my clients on. And she has very, very specific tastes. So she knows a lot of what she wants, but doesn't know how to make that come to life. Yeah. And so um, you know, I worked with her in, in helping her to take her palette and apply it to this house. So, um, and and that comes from my time working for uh a boutique firm that did interiors and architecture. So I I did get a, a bit of that education. Mm-hmm. Um we we have uh birch cabinets they're all from uh you know, it looks really high end and that was the goal of what we were going for. Um, but these are all from cabinets to go and yeah. And I'll, let me jump back. I'll go back to this. They have that,
0: that type of door style, that slat look or is it?
1: Oh no. So we hacked it. So this is, um, they're all cabinets to go. It's their European modern collection in a, I believe it's birch finish. I have to check. Um, but it's a, it's a, a non-finish, we got it sent to us non-finished, and all we had the contractor do was apply uh polyacrylic because polyacrylic doesn't stain um it's water based so unlike polyurethane which is oil based it doesn't yellow the wood as you apply it uh the finish and it keeps that natural look whereas if you did polyurethane you're gonna get that yellowing and uh that's not what we wanted. We wanted that light, that light and airy natural feel. Yeah. But you go back to this this image with the slats. We took um, three quarter by three quarter strips of birch and we applied it to the face. And so now, on the left and right, on the on the right side, you have a cabinet that is a uh, pantry cabinet and like a like for uh, brooms and stuff like that. We yeah. have a breakfast little little coffee bar area, and then on the left hand side, that's a secret passage. So you open those up. And that's where the original access to the basement was. And so now our cabinet allows you to access the basement and it's, uh, it's absolutely perfect. I I think it, I think it turned out so well. The only thing uh, we didn't do was piano hinges and I wish we would have done piano hinges there. Um, Here's another shot of that where you could start to see that. And um, it's the Testament of like, if you think outside the box, you take something that somebody else has already created, like a cabinets to go kind of company, and you're applying that, um that outside of the box mentality to this, you could really achieve anything. And um our we're really lucky by this point she had found a contractor that was really good to work with. And those guys executed this flawlessly.
0: Yeah. And it uh, shows that you don't have to break the bank to make it look like a million bucks.
1: Exact, exactly. It wasn't until the end where she started to break the bank when <laughs> her her social media presence started to take off and she was doing really well where she's like, well maybe I'll import some stuff. Um But uh, you know, those, those beams that are in the middle of the room here, those were original to the house. So we wanted to play that up. Yeah. Ah. We wanted to play that up and, and showcase it as, you know, there's, there's this warmth and this character to this house that we didn't, you know, we didn't anticipate, but we're want to, we want to showcase Uh, and it started as a one, I'm sorry, two bedroom, one bath, and we converted it to a two bedroom, two bath. So the, there's a master bedroom I'll show you here in a second that has a master bath. That was the original. And then we incorporated this like whole new, this whole new bathroom that is like a Turkish bath. Um, And the windows there uh, there's these, these massive picture windows that are in the um, they're kind of in our, our living room, but then we also have some that correspond from our sunroom here. Uh, And those those windows are on the same axis and we we added all that. We also opened up the wall between the sunroom and the kitchen. And it's exactly what you would have expected from a hunting cabin.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and now it's this like bohemian retreat. It's it's very cool. So what did you say she's doing with it now? Is she keeping it for herself or as of right now, she's keeping it for herself. Okay. Um her she's got a boyfriend from out of state and he's going to be moving up here. And her goal is to maybe airbnb it eventually Uh, so so maybe it'll be uh you'll be the first to know as soon as i find out if uh she's going to airbnb it then um we'll we'll let your viewers know and they can be the first to come come and stay here um and this is the bathroom that we added it's almost like a turkish bath in a way it's all tile we have uh concrete uh sinks that were she originally wanted that to be like stone slab imported from Turkey, which we didn't end up doing it. I think that one came from Detroit from a manufacturer over there. Okay. Uh, wall hung toilet. Um, It was going to be a wet room, but uh, we relocated where the water, uh, the faucets are and everything like that. So now the water doesn't spray into the room. It's far enough back that it's um, it allows the, uh, Kind of, it kind of just allows it to be completely open because the water doesn't actually spray out into the rest of the room. It's, it's okay. I was iffy about it at first, but she says it works. So, uh, and then we have a cooler tub drop in cooler on the right hand side and, and a, um, trim of like a a shelf there of, uh, green granite or green marble. Sorry. Uh, It was green marble. And uh, when they were installing it, it split in half. And this is something new that I learned, but, uh, in the, japanese aesthetic if there's something that's broken they repair it but then they use gold leaf and uh like gold flake to decorate and enhance the break so uh they they somehow uh, they celebrate the the imperfections in everything and i found that absolutely beautiful and when when you see this in person you don't really see it in the photograph but when you see it in person it's it's something to be like um it's it's something to be celebrated, and I really like the way that turned out.
0: Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Thing.
1: Well, yeah, and you can see some of the original wood come through in this pro in this area too. Kind of tied it together. Let's see if we can.
0: Do you like doing the renovational, the renovational side of it, or the new construction?
1: Um, I think both. Yeah. Both? Yeah, because yeah, there's there's something to be said for, for both sides of it. Um, but there's also there's also a little bit that uh is left to be desired from new construction that you can get from renovation and and vice versa. Um but uh Pittsburgh's a tough market for people to be inventive with new construction as compared to renovation. Uh it seems to be there's more creative outlet on the renovation side where new construction, people are seeing something that's like the I guess the thought leaders in our space, like the Joanna Gaines or you know, the the McGee and Co. they're pushing certain look. And yeah. because that's everywhere, um the yeah. the not so design savvy uh clients find that enthralling in some capacity. So a lot of that work ends up being geared towards those styles, which kind of leaves me um, I don't know, it kind of leaves me like you know there could be so much more we can do here and yeah uh, they yeah, take so, the
0: like the bible when you're go to like LA or Miami or somewhere like that they want to be outside the box
1: right right like um for this home it's you know the, the design aesthetic is is one like overarching theme but each room starts to have its own personality like this this is the master bedroom here and this space we built the bed into the wall and we Absolutely. brought, yeah, we brought the, um, the corner is all windows. And so now that now, because we have all these windows and it, it faces into the woods, uh, you get the, this like Pinterest-y feel, uh, you know, you've seen these, these images all over Pinterest or maybe not so much Instagram, but uh, it's like this idea of an Airbnb that everybody wants. Cause yeah. then you're, you're like, you're cozy, but you're surrounded by nature. And um, we to really make that happen for, and the let me see if I can get a picture of the headboard here. Even the headboard, um, the way we, uh, I guess the way we designed it is it's um, got a layer of cushion and fabric on top of it, but then we bring those brass elements in with uh, little lights and, and plugs and everything like that. So you can throw your phone up there and have that charge while you're enjoying the view. And tell you what when it snows it's absolutely fantastic
0: i bet yeah. but th- does she does she have any blinds
1: in it now no oh she, and i guarantee you she never will like she's she's that kind of person
0: see i it's not that i'm scared of, for people to see me i'm just scared of, like at night when people like look in and there's oh, yeah. no one will ever be in that woods but still that just terrifies me i feel like it's just a casino horror film
1: yeah, it's um it, uh, it's its own thing. But that's ba- that's basically that whole house. Um it looks it, good. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. That I was super excited about that one and um we were talking off air about this, but it was the first uh it was the first project that I've had professionally f- photographed. And I think that that takes this to another level. Yeah. Um uh, not only for my you know, my portfolio and everything like that, but it's going to allow me to showcase that to you know potential magazines that we're going to shop it around to try and get published, and I think it's going to do better than anything I could have done. You, you know, I we as designers have a, a specific eye, and we can we can really showcase something through a photograph ourselves in a capacity if we know how to use our cameras. But a pho- but a photographer knows how to do it on a completely different level. That's a just as much as um, home design is an art. Ph- photography is too, and you know I. I'm very willing to pay a professional to showcase my project in the best light possible. I
0: agree. Yeah. I, when, that's something like people always want to design their homes and they might be really good at like decorating their house, but when it comes to design work and they, they're renovating their kitchens and they they make so many mistakes because they just don't know, and it's not their fault. It's just, they, that's not their professional job. Like they, they don't right, have right. the experience of doing it. Um, and that's why, when I would design a kitchen, and a client would, if I take on a client like that, I'd I'll let them be more involved in it, the design part of it. But you mean you can't close them off, or you're not going to get the job, which is another topic we'll talk about losing a job. But, um, but it's those those clients can be challenging. But it's also if you give them the little free reign and give them their ideas and try to make their ideas happen functionality like wise like actually work um that could be a client for life
1: yes yeah and i think um if you're if you're truly genuine in that uh yeah. it helps build that relationship and i think with uh this client specifically we've we've built a, a good relationship and so she plans uh, there's a a carport on the property that she's uh, got chickens in right now and. Oh, really? and she, I want to take it down and put up another like shelter. She's talking about wanting to do something out of shipping containers, maybe as like a guest house. So um, that's already something she's brought to my attention and saying, you know, uh, let's, let's try to work on something like that for, you know, moving forward. And, you know, if you're, if you're that person that is genuine and wanting to help somebody succeed in their project, that's what's going to help build that relationship and help you grow in your career too.
0: Shipping container idea is a good thing. It's something that hasn't really touched down in Pittsburgh. I had a um, someone on the podcast last year, or the year before, um, from Rocks Box, and they do okay. specialty out um, mostly like shipments of so the, the shipping containers, but they make them into bars and stuff for um,
1: all kinds of places. Are they in Cleveland? I think I heard this one. Are they in Cleveland? Or I'm not sure where they are. There, I think I know that one. uh, in Harrison city of all places, there's a, a guy who, who started a company called man, King. it's like maintainers or something like that, or man containers. And he, he's basically building these little outbuildings for you. Um, I drive by it every once in a while That's when funny. I when I'm going to check out projects. Yeah. Um, but there, there's a couple of people doing it. And, uh, back in 2015, when I was working for a boutique firm in the South side, we had a client who, um, they're pretty prolific in the city and development work mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and real estate, they have a, a real estate wing and a, and a development wing, uh, and they bought in Lawrenceville an old warehouse and converted it into two townhouses. It was kind of narrow warehouse. And we put shipping containers on the top for a party deck. So it was a three-story townhouse. And then on the right-hand side, they bought, uh, empty lot, which is essentially the size of a townhouse in Lawrenceville. And if you're familiar with Pittsburgh, that's like a 20 foot lot uh, on on a hillside. And that was going to be six shipping containers stacked up to create a a third townhouse for the property. And I think they called it the cargo loft. So if you're ever interested, you can Google cargo lofts Pittsburgh and it'll probably pop up. But uh, that third townhouse never got built. I'm not sure if that's something they're still waiting for, but the other ones are occupied by now. And then I saw somebody recently post they're trying to do that in like Highland park, but uh, right. I, yeah, they were touting. Oh, this is the first thing I ever built shipping containers. So I'm like, no, it's not, no, it's not. And $800,000 is not, shipping containers are supposed to be a, a, in some capacity, a way to do affordable housing. And it yeah. doesn't look good for $800,000. I could just say that's all. I'll yeah. my mouth shut about the rest of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just looked up uh, cargo loss in Pittsburgh. They look pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's is that the rendering or is that the actual uh
0: oh, rendering?
1: Yeah, they look really close to the rendering. Uh, okay, I, I found. think they're like, yeah, and they're like real cool, real cool. Uh, the way they turned out, and um, the I wasn't really on that project, it was just in the office, so I got to see it happen. Um, but uh, the one of the architects that was on that project, she now her and her husband now own their own practice here in the city too and they're they're doing cool stuff like that so Very it's cool. it's good to see we do have some innovation here and it's not all just the same old cookie cutter stuff
0: yeah i feel like as the city grows and progresses we are kind of getting outside of that that bubble we've been in for so long
1: yeah 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 it's it's um uh, i mean social media is a testament too because now we're seeing we're seeing the stuff that's happening in cities like austin where yeah. they're like progressive in design and construction and now we're seeing it like slowly trickle in here i mean uh, we've had guys like eric fisher who have been doing great fantastic modernist work and like this out-of-the-box thinking for a long time but um they're so like hyper niche that Mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of other people that are like uh focusing in on that so now it's good to see we're we're starting as a as a city and as a as a local culture to expand upon that
0: Yeah, it's a great time to be a part of this industry. Well, let's segue into um, a topic that you you brought up before our call that I think is a great topic. I think a lot of people struggle with if it's construction, design, architect, uh, real estate too, is losing uh, a lead or a customer or a project or a client. I know that happened recently to you. So, what is your advice on that?
1: Um, So I can still trying to figure it out. Well, it's uh, I'm still working through it. It's, it's tough, man. It's like, it's something that none of us want to have happen. But yeah. if we go to the lead side of things, I send out a lot of proposals that people either just never call me back or they like they'll scoff and say, I, I can't believe this costs this much. And um, you know, my proposals are pretty, they're detailed. You know, I take my time. I take a couple hours. I write, write your proposal. It's not like I'm boilerplating this. Um, and I'll, I'll, bullet point everything. And so when you, when you lose a, or you lose a lead or you lose something in that capacity where you've sent out a proposal and you think that you're going to get a project in return for this, it's, you, you kind of take it personally in a capacity or you think, man, maybe, maybe I am too expensive or maybe I didn't educate the the potential client well enough. And it's, it's never personal. It's mm-hmm. just business. I mean, I mean, somebody might take it personally and then tell you, Hey man, you suck. Uh, but th- that's not on you. That's, that's definitely the other person that's yeah. if they're going to come at you in a personal capacity, but uh, it does hurt. And it does feel sometimes like, uh, you know, maybe they don't like you or something like that. And that's never the case. That's, that's your ego talking in a capacity where um you're not thinking about the greater picture. You know, they might be talking to other designers or other architects or um, where they might have not really alluded to you a budget that they might felt, might've felt comfortable with for your services. So don't ever feel like that's a personal attack or anything like that. That was something I had to go over and learn. Um, and I felt like I was learning that in the dark in a way. Um, I have a couple of other friends that are small business owners that do that are completely different industries, and it was it was nice to hear from them that hey we we deal with this too. It's not just you, so um that's one side of of losing a project, but another side of losing a project is, hey, we've done this design work. we're six months in, and the owner just says, "Hey, this is costing too much, and I just don't want to keep going with this and then you panic and you feel like there's so much that i did you know that I did wrong in this capacity and what could I have done different? Uh, is the communication uh, problem? Was I not quickly communicating with them? Was I not communicating enough? Was I not adequate? And should I have more uh, abilities or not? And you're going to have all these questions. And it's natural. Just know that it's natural to have these questions. But yeah. don't ever take it too hard or don't ever feel too overwhelmed about it it's hard it's i mean it's uh coming from somebody who's literally going through it right now it's it's um something that i think everybody should should understand it's going to it's going to happen we're all in business to do this kind of stuff and you know this happens sometimes i don't know how what other way to put it but it you know it's all part of business and um this particular project that i was talking about where I'm, I'm dealing with losing is a motorcycle museum. That's also a kind of like a, a loft for this individual. He's going to live up there or he was planning on living up there. Um, he's got $3 million motorcycle collection. We were going to expand off of a warehouse he already has. The goal was to use either a like prefabricated steel building or work with structural engineers to try and figure out how we can make this thing work. Cause we we're going to have camp, uh, catwalks that were hung off the ceiling and everything. And it was really cool. And a big glass wall that overlooked everything. And his, his all in budget was about half a million dollars. And I was like, I think we can make this work for that price. If we're using certain material packages and, um, and it was a huge learning curve because I've worked with structural engineers before, but never in the capacity of steel. And as an architect, I know how to, um, design a wood frame building. I don't have a problem with that, but steel is something that we're not working with all the time. And so you have to, you have to rely on uh, outside experts. And I told the client at the beginning, you know, we're going to have to have a structural engineer, but I don't think, I don't think I did a good job of expressing there's going to be more cost associated with hiring somebody else. Mm -hmm. We went through an exercise of seeing if a Uh, well, the design process, the initial schematic design process took, you know, a month to come up with a final product. He loved it. And then the rest of it, just trying to get other people to work with me and give me budgets or give me, uh, quotes that took like another six months. And I don't know if I learned, well, I don't know if he was growing frustrated because he never expressed it, um, but it's something that you feel, you internalize, especially mm-hmm. somebody who's like myself and overanalyzes everything. You know, I internalize frustration from a client who's not even telling me he's frustrated, and it's it's something that you have to work around. You have to understand, like, if the client's not saying anything, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're frustrated. They might actually understand, hey, this is going to take a while. Um, but you know, we worked to try and get a prefab steel manufacturer to work with us. Those guys, unless you've signed a client, a contract with them, they don't care. They're not going to work uh, with you. Um, yeah. Which is tough, but you, you know, you call 15 of them and they're you know, they give you the run around and, and then you find out you have to sign a contract and give them like 50 grand before they'll um, actually start doing any kind of engineering work. And needless to say, they won't, they won't sign off on anything outside of the box so then you work with, uh, we ended up working with structural engineer who is also a uh, steel erector and steel supplier, but, um, then, you know, their pricing comes in a little too high and then we go find an actual structural engineer who can help us. And the client doesn't want to work in that capacity. So he calls me up and says, uh, I think I'm going to call quits. This is calling, this is just getting too expensive. Um, just let me know what I owe you and, um, and we'll just kind of end the project there. So, all of that to say, what I've learned is communication's key. Yeah. Don't, don't ever, even if it's taking a long time between trying to get these different parties to communicate to you, make mm-hmm. sure you're staying in constant communication with your client, giving them realistic expectations, and uh, don't ever let them fall by the wayside. I I'm definitely guilty of that. He was very lenient with you know, how long he was expecting this to take. And I took that for granted uh, while I was waiting for other people to get back to me, these steel rectors or these engineers, I was taking on other projects where I should have probably waited uh, to take on as many projects as I did. But um, you know, it's, it's something where you live and learn and communication's key and don't ever internalize something that's not being said until somebody actually says something and then ask for their feedback. If they're not saying anything, um, that's something I did. I didn't get a response, but definitely ask for feedback because you're just going to sit here and you're going to think something and you're going to internalize it, but it may not actually be what your client's thinking. So just always be forward and always be communicating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, losing a lead, it's, it's not something that's always uh, only going to happen in the beginning of your career it's going to happen your whole career and and like you said it's not your fault and you know sometimes it's just the client just wants a quote and you know the the hard part about our business is you put so much work into a proposal and that work and lots of the time these people are given free estimates and free um, consultations and stuff so all that time is wasted so it's like you're you're not necessarily mad at that situation. You're mad at all the time you just wasted on. Exactly. And yeah. clients don't usually think of that.
1: No, they don't. Uh, well, most clients aren't in the same or in oh. a line of work that's very similar, right? Yeah, they just Nobody don't know. Can, yeah, they're not out here giving
0: proposals. or so.
1: Yeah,
0: it's not a big deal. But um, yeah, that's good insight. Yeah, communication is a key and i know i've drawn fault to that as well because it's so easy to when you have a couple of jobs that go really really smooth and then you just kind of get going you're like oh, i could take on a little bit more and then that one week hits you yeah, that you have like so much going on and you lose communication with one of your clients and that could be just a downfall and oh like, yeah domino effect.
1: it's um don't ever let that uh, this this might be another thing but don't ever let that bleed into your other projects especially the ones that are going well you know i mean hopefully you you can pinpoint what happened uh Mm -hmm. to cause a relationship to fall apart or or something like that and we're talking business relationships right so they're usually pretty straightforward if you can pinpoint what happened you can work to change that on the current jobs you have and future jobs and just it's always a learning thing. We're in design school. They don't teach us any of this. So huh. it's, um, you know, it's a Testament to, to folks like yourself who are out here trying to help educate the public or, you know, hel- help educate our industry about how we run our businesses so that, you know, we can mitigate how many mistakes like this that we make.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to completely help, but it does bring you, to a situation where you could actually like learn from someone else, but, and for the most part, you kind of just have to learn on your own. Um, but it does help hearing other people's situations and hearing an outside view on the same type of situation you're going through and figuring out. Cause sometimes it's so hard to figure out when you're staring at plans every day of this job and you're the one talking to the client the same way. You don't really know that your tone's different or your, yeah the line of communications wrong or you don't know that because you're it's the way you always work or right it's just you you don't you need another point of view in there so it's nice to hear other people's view on a job they lost or a difficult situation and that's a lot of what i like to talk about here on the podcast just for that reason
1: yeah and it, just know like if you're going through this right now you're not the only one we've all we've all gone through it and uh Man, if you've got a question, just DM me and I'll answer it. But the, you know, another thing is to kind of touch on, um, not realizing, you know, your, your, your nose is up in this project all the time and you need to stay, take a step back, but to go along those lines, you just be, because you're working on that project every single day, doesn't mean the client realizes that, you know, I find myself being like, oh, I'm always like, this is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing all this work for you but i didn't have to take a step back and say wait a second i haven't talked to him in two weeks i gotta let him know like i've been spending 12 hours a day for the last two weeks working on your project like, yeah. you know i'm i'm not neglecting this it just takes this you know it just takes a long time to to get this done for you so um communication is key and it's something i'm i've never been the best at um I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like uh I have a problem with whatever's right in front of my face. I'm going to, I've got to figure that out right now. And then everything else kind of like goes by the wayside. So uh, it's something we're all working through, but, but just know that that's like, that's going to be, that's going to help so much throughout your career just to work on communication.
0: Yeah. Dude, that's a constant. I mean, that's something, not just in your uh, professional career, that's something that helps out in your personal life too. So.
1: Yeah. Your interpersonal relationships. That that's, you know, that's key there too. I've been able to keep a lot of friendships from high school all the way through college just because, um, you know, I genuinely care and I genuinely care to to keep in contact with these folks. And so um, that's just something that you don't have to be, you know, when it comes to friends, like really good friends, you don't have to be texting them every single day. No. You send them a text, you know, every month, every, you know, every couple months or something like that. And they know, you know, if they're really good friends, they know.
0: Exactly. Well, David, thank you so much for hopping on. I, yeah, I feel of course. Like I love having reoccurring guests on and I'm getting to the point where I'm I'm getting more and more recurring guests. So whenever you want to hop on, I mean, I know you sent me so many topics. We could have another four or five episodes here. So yeah. let's do it again.
1: Of course. Hey, and if we ever want to do an on-site version of this, like yeah. we go out to a project site or something like that, that'd be pretty fun too.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the in-person ones are so much fun. So I'd like to do more of them.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get that we'll get that happening.
0: Awesome. Well, David, thank you again. Let's plug yourself um website, social media is everything.
1: Yeah, uh, websites David Stumpf And there you can see the the work that we're doing, the portfolio that we've got. Um, since I've been on last. We've gotten pretty big on YouTube. So you can check me out at David Stumpf or I think it's Dave Dave or David Stumpf. Um, the first one that pops up. We've got a lot of project uh, videos there. And then Instagram at Dave Stumpf and David Stumpf architecture. I'm also on Facebook, but that's not that big, but the YouTube stuff is pretty fun. We're doing some full length videos, tours of projects that we finished. And cool. so you get to bring you along and then like some informative stuff on how to, how to look at a home while, uh, you're, if you're looking to buy and renovate. So, um, dive in deep into that and, so far that's been growing pretty good and we've got some good views on those videos. So check, check, uh, if you're interested in learning more, check me out there.
0: That's awesome. I did not know you were doing that. I'll have to go check oh, that. Yeah. Out.
1: Yeah. Awesome. It's uh YouTube is the social media platform that like seems to really care about creators growing. And okay. like, especially if you want to ed- be an education or like be a, someone who wants to educate in your field, that seems to be the best. Instagram's tough. Facebook, is tough but uh youtube seems to be the best so far cool
0: i'll yeah. definitely check that out and, um again thank you for coming back onto the podcast always love having you on we'll we'll stay in touch
1: yeah of course keep it up i love the episode I, well i love the, all the shows that you're doing so thank uh, you very much more. yeah appreciate it